This is the Christian Life Center podcast. Here at CLC, we are messengers of hope, where we believe in taking God's message of hope everywhere we go to everyone we meet. From wherever you are, be encouraged by this week's message. As we come to the end of our series, Living It Out, I want to talk today about how to live out loud. We have a mandate from the Lord to be messengers of hope, to be the light, to let the light shine, and we have to live it out. And today I want to just share with you just some scriptures. I know our time has slipped away with our extended time of worship, but I want to just pray that God will help us to receive his word in our heart. Can I hear an amen today? One of the most powerful things that we can do is to embrace the mission and the mandate that God has given. So pray with me if you would, and let's just ask the Lord to open our hearts to his word. Father, I thank you for the word. I thank you, Lord, because your word is powerful. It's anointed. And I pray, God, that you will help the word to stick into our hearts, to come into our hearts, oh God, in a deeper way so that, Father, we can learn to walk with you and see you and to live out loud what you have called us to to do, Father, with the word of God guiding us and leading us in the love of Jesus in our heart. And all God's people said, amen and amen. You know, one of the most powerful parables that Jesus shared was the parable that helped them to understand what was the greatest commandment. Now, we're going to look at a lot of scriptures today, and we're going to just put together some thoughts that helps us to understand how to live out loud the message of hope. So if you have downloaded our app, you'll be able to follow with me easily, or you can flip in your Bibles. I want to begin reading in Matthew chapter 22. Matthew 22 and verse 36, Matthew 22, verse 36, teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? Jesus replied, love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, and with all of your mind. This is the greatest commandment. And the second is like it, love your neighbor as Yourself. Say that with me. Love your neighbor as yourself. All of the law and prophets hang on these two commandments. A few weeks ago, Pastor Kevin shared with us here at our Fort Lauderdale campus, he shared with us the story of the Good Samaritan. I didn't want to take that scripture today and unpack it, but it's a powerful scripture that links with this scripture that Jesus is talking about of learning how to love your neighbor as yourself. In the Good Samaritan, we see that there was three in the story. There was the one that came by and he sees the injured man, but he keeps his distance and he decides that he's going to avoid him. Then there's the other that comes. He's curious. He moves over. He looks at the man that's wounded, but then he goes on and he decides that he's not going to be involved. But then the third, the Samaritan, is the one that sympathized with the pain of the the man that was beaten and bruised and hurt. He had empathy. He carried his his burdens, and he, he even sacrificed his own so that the needs of this one would be met. That's what we're talking about today in living out loud. Say that with me. Live 
out loud. Say it louder. Live out loud. This is what Jesus said. Only those, Mark 8, 35, only those who give their lives for my sake and for the sake of the good news. Now, we call the good news here the message of hope. Anytime the Bible talks about the good news or the gospel, we call that at Christian Life Center the message of hope. So Jesus says, those who give away their lives for my sake and for the sake of the good news will ever, they will, if they don't give away their lives, they will never know what it means to really live. Sacrificing the share the good news, living out loud. John 17 and verse 18, Jesus says, in the same way, speaking to the Father, that you gave me a mission. You see, we're messengers of hope and we have a mission. And Jesus says, just as you, Father, gave me a mission, I give them a mission in the world. You see, living out, living out loud means that we are going to share the message of hope. Acts chapter 13 and verse 47. For this is what the Lord has commanded. I will make you, what? A light. Turn to your neighbor and say, you're a light. As a messenger of hope, you're to be a light to the Gentiles. Those, were, those that were outside the faith and that you... That's you, the messenger of hope. You're the light. You will bring salvation to the ends of the earth. Acts chapter 20, verse 24. Life is worth nothing unless I use my life for the work assigned me by the Lord Jesus. You see, you can accumulate all the wealth in the world, you can have all the accolades, all the praise. You can win as many gold medals as there can be ever won. And yet the Bible says your life will be worth nothing unless you fulfill the mission that's been assigned to you by the Lord Jesus. We call that your purpose, your divine design, the call that God has for you. And what is it? It's the work of telling others about the good news. Now, what do we call the good news around here? The message of hope. And so the work is to tell others about the good news and about, here's an important part, God's mighty, mighty kindness and love. Over in the book of James, James chapter two and verse 14, dear brothers and sisters, he's speaking to believers. Brothers and sisters, what's the use of saying that you have faith if you don't prove it by your actions? You see, James is going to say your faith is dead. It's an empty faith if you don't learn to live it out loud. You and I have been called to be messengers of hope. And in this series, living it out, we come to this place where we've got to learn to live out loud. So what is our message? What's the message that we're talking about today? Well, in these scriptures that I've been reading, it's the message of hope. It's the good news. It's the gospel. Write that in your outline. Our message is the good news of Jesus Christ. So pastor, what is that good news? Well, let me just share it with you in a moment. 
Frame it into your mind, file it back there, because I guarantee you the Holy Spirit will bring you in to environments where you will have an opportunity, the joy and the privilege to share the message of hope, the good news of the gospel. It starts, starts very simply by knowing that God loves you. The good news starts with understanding that God loved us so much that he desired for us to be with him for all of eternity. He didn't want us separated, and so he sent his son Jesus to remove the penalty of sin that separated us from God and allows us to have a relationship with him. God has a purpose for your life. He has a plan and a destiny. Jeremiah 29, 11, I have what? Good plans for you, and they're not plans to hurt you. I will give you hope and a good future. God loves us and he has a plan and a purpose for us. The problem is we know about it because we're in the house of God and we hear it over and over and over. But there are many that are outside in the world, outside the walls that need to know that God loves them. And he loves them so much that he sent his son to pay the penalty of sin. Why? It's because all have sinned and all fall short of the glory of God, Romans 3, 23. And that sin separates me from a loving God. But in God's grace and his kindness, he illuminates it to us. You will have a moment, every one of us, and those that God uses us to speak to where there's an intersecting moment in their life where God will give you and I, giving them the opportunity to know that there is a Savior and that Savior is Jesus. Can I hear an amen? You see, they've got to understand, they've got to know that sin separates them. Sin divides, sin alienates us from a loving God who is a holy God. The only way man can get to God is if they never sin. That's as if they never make a mistake. They score a hundred on every test in life. They never think a wrong thought. They never say a wrong word. They always wake up on the right side of the bed. They never have a bad mood. Can I hear an amen? They always look with eyes of purity. There's never a lustful thought that goes through their mind. Even though temptations may come, they overcome the temptation every time. That's the only way that you can get to heaven is if you're perfect in the eyes of God. Now, the problem is, the problem is we've all sinned, right? We've thought the things, we've said the things, we've looked at those things, we've done things that have violated the word of God and the ways of God and the plans of God, and therefore that sin separates us. But praise the Lord, we have a Savior, and that Savior is Jesus, and he paid the penalty of sin. And that penalty that he paid removes, it blocks out, it, 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 it washes us. There is an atonement, a covering through the blood of Jesus. And now my sins are forgiven. And now I can stand righteously before the Lord. Amen and amen. Because the wages of sin, the Bible is very clear, is death. That's eternal separation from God. But Jesus gives us, he gives us his grace through his sacrifice so that we 
can find freedom and relationship with the Lord. The consequence then of our sin is death. But the solution is that Jesus died. In fact, the biblical word is substitution. He, he, he was substituted. It was a substitutionary work of Christ. Romans 5, 8 says he died for me. He died for you. That means in your place, he paid the penalty. And therefore, say therefore. Nudge your neighbor and say therefore. God forgives us when we ask. We know that we have that forgiveness. All have sinned. And yet now God declares, Romans 3, 23, God declares not guilty. Say it with me. Not guilty if we trust in Jesus Christ who freely takes away our sins. And that is the gift of God. Now we receive it by faith. It's not of our works. It's a grace of God. That means God's favor and God's kindness is what saves us. It's a gift from him so that no one can boast. God is the one that forgives and cleanses and restores and brings healing. But it does require a response. When I was a missionary in Europe, we would ride the trains. If anybody lives or have ever lived up north where there's subways and trains, I have to tell you, in Europe, they were very, very, very strict. You could not sneak on easily to a subway or a train without a ticket. And if you stepped on that ticket, tick, uh, on that train at any time, if you did not have a ticket, there would be, and it always seemed that, that they would show up and they would inspect right when you didn't have a ticket, but they would come and they would inspect your ticket. Now, some had a ticket, but they didn't punch the ticket before they got on the subway or the train. Every country would do it a little bit different, but can I tell you, you can be holding a ticket, you can be knowing about a ticket, you can understand that I've gotta have a ticket to get on the train, but if you don't punch the ticket, if you don't respond to that that has to be responded to, it will be too late. Well, that's the way it is with God. It requires our faith, our response to be restored and redeemed from our mistakes. But when we do, there is an assurance in our heart that Jesus will forgive us and we will be restored. Our future is secure when we're in Christ. Now, Remaining in Christ and living with Christ and and walking with Christ is the key. Now, I gave you some biblical, theological before I get to the practical. And as you can see, I'm, 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 I'm expediting as best as I can this message, but I hope you're receiving it, amen? And so, when we look at the biblical, theological understanding of what is the good news, it leads us to a therefore, Now, a therefore has something that's about to come because of something that has been said. Well, what's been said is that you and I can have, we can have eternal life. God's love, God's purpose, God can redeem and restore, and we can be set free from all of the sin. We can take off our filthy rags, Paul would say, our sin and our guilt, our shame, our condemnation, all the mistakes of our past can be forgiven, and we can stand in the image of Jesus Christ before God the Father, putting on his garment of righteousness and taking off my garments. 
Now, by the way, that is the core of the faith. So if I just bored you, then Christianity bores you. Because the core of our faith is that we're linked in with Jesus Christ. He predicted his death. He predicted his burial and his resurrection. And he is the resurrected son of God. And we are saved in faith through that message right there. Therefore, say it with me. Therefore, we should share this message everywhere to everyone. Everywhere we go, to everyone we meet. Romans 10, 13, anyone, say it with me, anyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. That word anyone is why I went to the mission field. That word anyone is why we reach out to all nations, all people groups, all colors, all ages, all ethnicities, all economic situations. Why? Anyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. See, the message of salvation isn't just for Americans. Can I hear an amen? It's not just for Europeans. It's not just for Jamaicans. And boy, give it up for Jamaica in the Olympics. Wow. Woo. Man, man, fast, fast. That's all I can say, fast. I watched her run last night. She was like, whoo, long ways. She was, she was just, everybody else was running really hard. Anyway, back to my sermon. Anyone who calls, it's not for one people, one color, one economic group. No, it's for everyone who calls on the name of the Lord. We've got to believe that. You see, I don't want to get to the practical until we get into our heart, the theological, and that is that God loves everyone, and he's called us to go everywhere to everyone. My wife and I gave our lives for that one word, anyone. We went to the mission field. We went to Hungary. We went to Austria. We've gone around the world. We feel called to minister to people of the world to minister to, the, to, to those that would come to hear. Why? It's because anyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. But who can ask unless they believe in him? And how can they believe if they've never heard about him? Now, it's easy to say, that's the work of the missionary. But can I tell you the problem, especially in America, is it's so easy to look to the mission fields and look past the Jerusalem harvest. To look into all the world and look past our neighbors and our coworkers and our family and our friends. But how? How will they ever believe if they've never heard about him? See, the problem is, is we have too many silent Christians. They're not living out loud. They get emotional in the church. They have amens at the right places of the message. They, they, they have all of the things that should be done, but yet they've missed one of the most important commandments. 
Jesus said it's right next to the commandment of loving me with all of your heart, mind, soul, and strength is the commandment that's just as equal to it, and that is love your neighbor as yourself. So how can they hear? How can they hear about him unless someone tells them? Now, it's easy to say, oh, somebody else will tell them. It's easy to think somebody else will do it. But the implication that's implied in this scripture is that you and I are those someones. John 17, 18, again, I sent them. He's talking about his disciples and we are his disciples today. I sent them, he's speaking to the Father, I sent them into the world just as you sent me into the world. Acts chapter 1-8, Jesus said, again says, you will be my witnesses. You'll be my witness. You see, the reality is we are a witness. We're either a good one or a bad one, but we are a witness. Your life is telling a story if you think it does or not. Is it a good one or is it a bad one? It's not just something we do. The church has a myth and a belief that witnessing is an event. It's something I do. But Jesus says, no, it's not an event. It's something that you are. And that is you are a witness. Witnessing. Well, a witness shares what they've experienced, what they've seen, what they know to be true, and they testify of that. So when we're talking spiritually and biblically, a witness is sharing what God has done in their life. They're sharing the good news. They're sharing what God has done. They're they're sharing the miracles like we heard about today of what God will do when we pray and we believe. We share, we, we share our experience, what we see, what we know to be true, and it's powerful. Why do we share? Well, Paul would tell you and I, there's one simple reason why we share, and that is we share because of the love of Christ. In 2 Corinthians 5, 14, Paul says, it's the love of Christ that compels us and stirs us. The problem is, is do we really believe? The problem is, is do we really have a burden? The problem is, many of us, we don't really have a love or a concern for those that are outside the family. We might love those that are in the family, but there's very little that moves us for those that are outside the faith. Paul says in Colossians 1, 6, the same good news that came to you is going out all over the world and it's changing lives everywhere. Just as it changed your lives, that very day you heard it and understood it, it's changing lives everywhere. That's the beauty when the message of hope is shared. That's the beauty when we share God's love and the purpose and the good news in this message is it changes lives everywhere. But we have a problem. Jesus gave us the remedy of the problem, but the problem that all of us have is there's a fear deep down within us. There's a fear that holds us back. Oh, the fear might look different for different ones. Your fear might say, what would I say? I don't know what to say. I don't feel prepared. I don't, I don't know how to say it. 
Another fear might be, what will they think? They'll think I'm a fanatical. They'll, they'll, uh, I'll get embarrassed. Uh, it, it, they'll, they'll criticize me. They'll, they'll, they'll judge me. A fear of rejection. A fear that we don't have the answers. A fear that, 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 that they've heard it before. They rejected it. A fear that paralyzes your faith. Fear paralyzes. By the way, it's faith. It's faith that allows and activates the power of God and faith reaches out and it touches, but fear will paralyze us. Second Timothy chapter one and verse seven, the Holy Spirit does not want you to be afraid of people, but to be wise and strong and to love them and enjoy being with them. If you will stir up, I love this metaphor, if you will stir up the inner power, that is the Holy Spirit, you will never be afraid to tell others about the Lord. Can I hear an amen? So the theological is a very clear understanding of what we're called to do. So in my final moments, I want to talk to you about the practical. The theological is what what does God say? How do we see it the way God sees it? But the behavioral piece, the piece of change, the practical piece is what am I supposed to do? So how do we live out loud? I'm going to give you an acrostic. The acrostic is the word bless. How do we live out loud is we bless those around. Now, because of time, I'm going to go quickly, but blessing those that are around. It begins in prayer. Say begins in prayer. It begins by praying and saying, God, help me. Give me a love. Give me care. Give me compassion for those that are not yet following you. Help me, God, to be focused on on praying for those that are in my sphere of influence. Let me be intentional. When I begin in prayer, it awakens something within me. My prayer is that, God, you will show me what are you doing in their life? You're already working in their life, and I want to join you, and I want to begin to pray for those that are in my life. So how do you live out loud? You begin in prayer. Now, today, as you came in, we gave you a little tool that can help you to begin to identify those that are in your sphere of influence. If you're watching by live stream, we've provided this little tool on our app and on our website. You can download it and get a digital version, keep it on your iPad, fill it out, print it if you want, but I want to encourage you. In fact, I encourage you maybe to print it out so you can put it somewhere and be reminded it's a tool. Now, the sphere of influence card I love, we've used it before. You're in the middle. In your life, God has put people around you. If you look, there's neighbors. Wherever you live, there are some neighbors. If you live in an apartment complex, there's others on your floor. If you live in a housing complex, there's uh, development, there's people around you. There are neighbors that are in your life. Now, what I've learned, my wife and I moving into a new neighborhood, uh, realize it's very hard to get to meet your neighbors. That's why I showed you that video. It's really, really hard. Now, I don't know if this was intentional from my wife. I think it was because the boys were leaving the home. But about a year ago, we got a little puppy. 
And uh, it was her puppy, and now it's my puppy. <laughs> Ain't no longer a puppy, but uh, uh, it was her dog, now it's my dog, right? Except for when it's time to eat. When it's time to eat, he'll come and just sit there and look at her like, like that. And I said, have you been feeding him from the table? <laughs> uh, that was a joke. <laughs> anyway, this puppy has become a blessing for me because I'm the one that usually walks him. 90% of the time, not always. You don't use the word always or never. But 90% of the time, I'm the one that walks him. And as I'm walking him, I'm getting to meet the neighbors. I'm talking to them. It's amazing how puppies do that, by the way. And, and then, and, and, you know, and I'm getting to know a little bit about them and I'm getting to, and they might even be watching today uh, because I was walking one day in the neighborhood and one lady said, you're Pastor Tom. <laughs> and I was in my shorts and a t-shirt and it was Sunday morning about 6 a.m. And I was like, I, I, I'm not dressed for church yet, you know. <laughs> but when you begin to meet your neighbors, two or three you begin to put their names down so that you can begin to pray. Prayer opens up. Prayer begins to allow you to, 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 to pray for what they're going through, to pray for them personally, pray for whatever's being revealed. You've got on this card, I love it, your friends, friends that don't know Christ, family that don't know Christ, and your coworkers in the workplace for those that don't know Christ. Now, just imagine if you begin to fill this out, put it on your dash or on a mirror or somewhere, it will be a reminder for you to pray for your neighbors, to pray for those in your sphere of influence. Now, we have a little tool that we wanna tell you about as well. There's a new program called Bless Every Home. Bless every home. You know that most of our data is out there. People, you know, can search where we live or anything nowadays on the internet. Well, this program has been developed spiritually for a spiritual purpose where you could begin to pray for your neighbors just by knowing what their names are. And so this program, uh, blesseveryhome.com, is a simple little program. We have it on our website, and it's clcftl.org uh, forward slash bless, clcftl.org forward slash blessed, that'll take you right where we can network as a church praying over our community. Now, why am I telling you? These are just tools that helps us to begin praying. What I like about the app, I've done it, Bless Every Home, is every day, it'll send me just a little reminder with the scripture to be praying for my neighbors. It'll list two or three of the neighbors' names because it's all public, uh, it's on public domain knowledge, and I can just begin to pray for them. If I start a conversation, I can even start interacting with my program to say my neighbor is uh, Jason and his wife is Michelle, they work out, their kids are in ball, you know, all these things to help me know what to pray with them about. A powerful, powerful tool. So where does it start? Well, it starts by blessing, blessing those in your sphere of influence, and that starts with prayer. The L in bless is when we begin to pray, we begin to engage those that are in our sphere of influence, those that we're beginning to meet, those that we're beginning to, to know, those that we may already know, family, coworkers, friends, we already know. And now what we're doing in BLESS is we're listening and we're beginning to engage. 
Listen and engage in the conversation. This develops sensitivity where we're now beginning to, we're beginning to say, Holy Spirit, use me to minister to them. You see, people all around you and I are hurting. They're hurting physically, they're hurting emotionally, they're hurting financially, and many times we don't see it. We were out to eat a couple weeks ago now with Pastor Charles, our, our worship pastor and his wife, and, and as we were out to eat, the waiter kept coming to our, you know, and serving us at the table, and he was engaging, and towards the end, and I know when it's coming on, now my wife has the spiritual gift of evangelism, and I do not. I'm an introvert, and when it starts coming on, all of a sudden, I'm just being honest, I start shrinking back. That's why a message like this encourages me to be reminded that I've got to bless those that are in my sphere of influence. Well, right before we got ready to pay the bill, my wife says to the waiter, when you have a few moments, can you stop back by our table? And as he came back a few minutes later, she began to share. She asked Pastor Charles to begin to share. And Pastor Charles started talking. And all of a sudden, you just saw him melt right there at the table. Now, now, I know I'm the pastor. I'm supposed to be the spiritual one. But she's the one with the gift of evangelism. I'm looking around. What's everybody else? You know, who's out looking? You know, that table over there has got their, their bill. They're waving it like that. Candy is oblivious to that. She doesn't think about that. At that moment, it's to, to share the message of hope with him. And Pastor Charles starts ministering to him. And then uh, Candy and, and, and Sasha's right here begins to say little things. And, and then before you know it, Pastor Charles says, can I pray for you? And he reaches his hands out. Now, at that moment, I'm, amen, yes, Lord, amen. <laughs> and I'm thinking, okay, Charles, Charles, remember, this is a waiter. He's got a lot of tables. And I'm thinking Charles is going to pray a little prayer. <laughs> Sasha, it was no little prayer. It was, a, it was a long prayer. Now, I'm squirming a little bit, right? I'm squirming a little bit because it's the introvert. I'm in a restaurant. But at that moment, we listened. There was an engagement. I'm joking a little bit about what was happening, but that's, that was in a setting where we didn't know him. The reality, though, is you're going to be interfacing with people all over this community that you know. God has placed you as the light. And as he's placed you as the light in that sphere of influence, you're placed there with a purpose and a divine design. And we've got to be reminded of that. The problem is, is we get too busy. The problem is, is that we, we're, we're in a rush, we're embarrassed. We, what will they think? You see, that was my fear, and the fear was paralyzing. But the reality is when we slow down and we, we're not rushing, when we slow down, we can see, we can hear, we can feel like Jesus. We can have compassion, and we can engage with them as we hear their story. By the way, you connect with people not when they hear your story, but you're connecting when you hear their story, when they can share their story. When you break through in that relationship, and it starts with prayer, but as you break through in that relationship, that now they're beginning to share with you the pains, the hurts, the struggles. 
when they're, when they're sharing what they're walking through, all of a sudden, as you're sharing it and they're sharing it, God will begin to help you to put in little places where you can build a relationship and you can speak love and you can lay down, if it would be, things that would help them to know that there is hope for what they're going through. It may look hopeless for them, but there is hope and you have that hope. The hope of the gospel is in you and I and we can share the hope. We listen, we engage. We're listening and engaging those that are on our sphere of influence. Mark 9, 35, when Jesus saw the crowd, he was moved with compassion. Why? Because their problems were so great. See, so easy, it's now so easy to think, oh, I don't want to get involved with their problems. I got enough problems of my own. I don't want to get involved in their problems. But Jesus was moved with compassion. My prayer is, God, you will move me and move us with compassion. Why? Because their problems are so great. Emotional, physical, spiritual. Their problems are so great and they don't know what to do or where to go for help. If those around you and I were to rate us, grade us on our compassion and our awareness of their problems, how would we score? You see, if we're gonna bless those that are around us, we must be moved with compassion. It starts with prayer. We begin to listen and engage, but it will always lead to a social connection, eating together. When you look at Jesus, he would eat with the sinners. Zacchaeus, come down. I'm going to your house today. He would engage with them and socially connect. He would eat with them. When you look at Jesus' ministry, over 50% of it was involved at sitting at tables and eating and fellowshipping. The crowds were all around, and Jesus says that he wanted to be with the sinners. In fact, the Pharisees, the religious, in Luke 19, it says the, the, the religious were displeased. The Pharisees were displeased because he was going to be a guest at the notorious sinner's house, and they grumbled. Makes me wonder why we, the religious, get upset when it's time to engage with those that are in the world. I've learned that we've got to decide now. We've got to decide ahead of time that we're going to take a risk when God opens the door and we're going to walk through that spiritual opportunity. Will it require us to overcome fear? Absolutely. And that is why the Holy Spirit has been given to you and I so that we would be bold and we would be his witnesses. Can I hear an amen? That boldness overcomes fear that's within so I can be his witness here at home and around the world. Okay, come to the end, guys. Go ahead, begin playing for me. That'll help me land this plane. Hallelujah. Just feel it. Say it with me. The B of the acrostic is begin in prayer. The L, listen and engage. The E, eat together. Connect socially. Two S's. The first S is serve them. 
What does serve them means? It's, it's, we've talked to you about it before. It's to show acts of kindness. Ways to bless them, ways to help them, to, to not just try to get them converted, but to come along relationally and journey with them. Proverbs 3.27, Proverbs 3.27, never walk away from someone who deserves your help. Your hand is God's hand for that person. Never tell your neighbor to wait until tomorrow if you can help them now. Matthew 5, 16, we said it a moment ago, don't hide your light. Will you read this one with me? Say it aloud. Don't hide your light. Let it shine for all. Let your good deeds, what? Glow for all to see so that they will praise your heavenly Father. That is acts of kindness. You're letting your good deeds show. You're letting your light shine. And in the end, the scripture says, they will praise our heavenly Father. Now, we want to help you on our app, that same place that you would be downloading the Spear of Influence card, you will also be able to download a card that's called Acts of Kindness. Gives you lots of ideas and ways that you can begin to serve and show acts of kindness to those that are around. Proverbs eleven seventeen says, your own soul is nourished when you are kind to others. And lastly, you share your story. You see, there'll be a moment and an opportunity where you'll be able to share your story. Don't start with your story. Start with their story. Listen and engage. But there's going to come a point where the Holy Spirit will give you an opportunity and you can share your story. 1 Peter 3.15, quietly trust yourself. Trust Christ, your Lord, excuse me. Quietly trust yourself to Christ, your Lord. If anybody asks why you do what you do, be ready to tell him. And do it in a gentle and respectful way. Nobody's ever going to get converted by debating with them. Never. You're not going to debate them into heaven. You're not going to be able to beat them on top of the, on their heads with the Bible. Repent, 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 you sinner. We'll never convert them. It's only going to turn them off. And scripture says, be gentle, respectful, share your story. Why do you share your story? Is your story is powerful. And people are interested in your story. Now, don't start with your story, but get to your story on what God has done, how God has healed you, how God's restored you, what God is doing in your life. Get to your story. Where did you come from? Where did you grow up? Where did you go to school? People are interested in it. And by the way, they can relate to it. You see, some of your stories, I will never ever, Pastor Candy and I will never ever be able to relate to others 
that share similarities to your story. And that's where God redeems your story and he uses your story to bring a great blessing and healing and restoration to others. He will redeem your story. Can I hear an amen? I mean, there are people all around you that God is going to use you to touch them. Maybe it's a pain of the past. Maybe you've been abused. Maybe there's been some kind of situation that happened in your life. Maybe it's a divorce. Maybe you were a single mom. Maybe there was mistakes that you made. Whatever it's been, let me tell you, God will take the mess of the past and he'll use it for his glory. That's what he always does. And people can relate to it. And what I love is that people won't argue with your story. It's what God has done in you. There's nothing to argue about. It's what God has done in you. And therefore, we've got to remember that the Holy Spirit will speak through us as we share our story. He'll empower you and he'll use you. Again, I read it before, but John 17, 18, in the same way, Jesus says to the Father that you gave me a mission in the world. I give them a mission in the world. Now, maybe you don't know how to share your story. Because of time, I'm not going to be able to go into it, but we've prepared a four-week, a four-week virtual course class that'll help you learn how to develop your story, how to share your story. It's powerful. Pastor Sean and I have taught it together and it will help you. If you would like to learn how to develop your story, then all you got to do is text the word SHARE, S-H-A-R-E, to the number that you see on the screen, 954-320-0009. That's four zeros, three, two, four zeros, nine. Text the word SHARE. And when you do, will help you to get a part of and connected to this journey, becoming a co-journer with Christ, getting in the journey of others and learning where they're at so that you can share with them. Now, as we come to the end, the end of this message today, we gotta live it out. And to live it out, we gotta live out loud. We can't hide the light. We've got to be the example and let it shine for all. Can I hear an amen? This week, you have homework. Turn to your neighbor, say you got some homework. If you know each other, say I'm gonna check on you if you did your homework. Go ahead, I'm gonna check on you. All the kids, turn to mom, say mom, you got homework this week. Dad, you got some homework. Yeah, I, I see you guys, you're, you're mumbling through the crowd here, but you got some homework. You're not just listeners, you're gonna be doers, amen? Three simple steps. Your first step in the homework is fill out your sphere of influence card. Download it from the app, download it from our website, put it on your iPad or print it out. Those that are in the building, you got a hard copy of it. Fill out your sphere of influence. It starts with prayer. Secondly, determine you're gonna begin to bless those that are around you. You're going to bless those that you've written down, the names that you've written down. You're going to begin to bless them. And thirdly, develop your story. Know how to share your story in just a few minutes. 
so that others can be impacted by your story. I wanna pray with you, Father, as we come to the end of this service. The challenge is a challenge for all of us today. And that challenge is to live out loud. And today, God, I pray that for those that have been in the church for any length of time, that this message today is that which spurs us on, that we stir up, oh God, we stir up and we embrace the challenge. The challenge to live out loud. To live as light in our community. To bless those that are around. Today, there'll be over 5,000 families that'll hear this message. The impact, if we will live out loud, is phenomenal in this community. The light would shine bright. Lord, I pray that you will convict us, challenge us, motivate us, encourage us to bless those that are around. Use our story. And Father, help us to be messengers of hope. Say, Father, help me to be a messenger of hope. To take your message of hope everywhere I go to everyone I meet help me Lord to live out loud in your name I pray amen and amen give the Lord praise if this ministry is making an impact in your life why not help us make an impact on the lives of others by partnering with us today you can give through our CLC app or at clcftl.org forward slash give. Thank you for listening and remember to subscribe for more inspiring messages like this. Now go and be messengers of hope.